0: Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote
1: and Alan Armstrong.
0: If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Microsoft 365-focused IT security professionals. It's episode 11 of season 4. Alan and I recently had a discussion about Azure Chaos Studio, an Azure-hosted service to help you build resilient and fault-tolerant services on Azure. Here are a few things that we covered. What is chaos engineering and why it may be beneficial to your organization? What is Chaos Studio and how it supports Chaos Engineering? What operations are supported within Chaos Studio? And what scenarios would you use Chaos Studio for? We've noticed that a large number of you aren't subscribed. If you do enjoy our podcast, please do consider subscribing. It would mean a lot for us for you to show your support to the show. It's a really great episode, so without further delay, let's get started.
1: Hey Alan, how are you doing? Hey Sam, not doing too bad. How are you?
0: Yeah. Good, thank you. Are you ready to talk about some chaos potentially?
1: Yeah, it sounds sounds interesting. Um, so, sounds scary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so Sam, what is Chaos Studio useful?
0: Okay. Yeah. So let's um, let's probably um, sort of uh, take one step back before we specifically talk about Chaos Studio and talk about sort of um, sort of the wider uh, field of chaos engineering. Now, I'd probably assume that most um, organizations wouldn't want chaos anywhere near um, their workloads in Azure, (laughs) Um, which is, you know, it's quite a potentially scary um, name for for this sort of um, topic of engineering. Um, But but what um, what we're really trying to do is we're really trying to protect against um, downtimes and faults within the sort of the stacks of our applications. You know, um, we we sort of um, shift a lot of responsibility onto cloud providers. You know, to manage well everything all the way up to potentially even you know the software layer. Right? We would just you know we purchase compute or we purchase some sort of um, pass solution or even SaaS solution. You know, a lot of the time we don't really think about what's really happening. You know, under the hood. Um, and and a lot of the time we don't really uh, need need to care about that at all. Um, but there are scenarios you know um, um power outages um you know network connections being cut um software configuration issues you know um uh, botched deployments you know um these things um, do happen and uh, touchwood they've happened very infrequently um but when they do happen you know there there is you know there's a direct impact on you know the service that you could potentially provide in inside of Azure um and you know your customers being able to access your service you know and and for your business that could be you know um lost revenue um lost reputation um there could be a you know uh, an overhead in terms of support around that time you know there could be an influx of tickets and things like that so you know if if we are an organization that is um uh, hosting and uh, running an application um, that's that's used by even internally to the business or or to to customers, um, there there needs to be an element of planning around you know uh, fault tolerance, um, and you know in the cloud when we architect these solutions we do spend time to make sure they're um, uh, you know highly available, uh, fault tolerant. Um, And in the case of a disaster, having a disaster recovery plan to sort of, you know, um, get started again after after one of those events. Um, And what chaos engineering um, attempts to do is to um, apply um, this these elements of chaos. This is, you know, outages, um, um, uh, systems not working correctly. Um, and it's it's there to to, to try and automate and um, simulate um, those those happening um but but instead of let's say you know we talked previously on other episodes around load testing you know sending a lot of traffic to a um, to, to one of your endpoints to see what will happen to sort of overwhelm that um what we're really trying to stress here is maybe other um, products and services that you rely on you know, let's say that um, your application backs off to a, a SQL server that's running on a, a, a Windows Server VM, as an example. Um, you know, what happens if that server's, um, you know, um, CPU usage hits 100%? You know, let's say it gets overwhelmed. Maybe you've got a like an overnight antivirus scan or something like that that, you know, um, kicks in and adds a load of, you know, load, that isn't specifically application load to, to the box. You know, um, how do you account for those types of scenarios? So so really what um, chaos engineering is is there is is to do is to try and apply those principles continuously. So instead of um, you manually, you know, logging into the server and running some sort of stress test on it manually to see how it uh, works, um, chaos engineering is around having uh, frameworks and experiments in place where you can run these either semi or fully autonomously, um, maybe even on a schedule as well. And we can talk about that. Um, so, so really what we're trying to do is we're trying to, um, quote unquote, break certain um, components of your, your technology stack in a uh, controlled manner, if you can call it that, um, to look at the the, the, the knock-on effects of these changes happening in your environment. Um, and what we're really trying to see there is is we're trying to test a hypothesis that we might have. Let's say our hypothesis is that you know if we can't access our key vault to manage our secrets, um, then we will attempt to access a second key vault in a different region as an example. You know let's say we've put a bunch of engineering work in to make that you know um, highly available um you know let's actually test that um and and try to replicate some of those um scenarios
1: okay so so chaos engineering kind of sounds like in effect uh con- con- controlled chaos within your application within your environment um to kind of test or prove out some of your sort of business con- continuity disaster recovery plans um for things that aren't necessary to do with your application might be external factors to it. So like you said, load testing that we talked about, uh, I think last season, um, was around, you know, load on your application and you're talking about sort of other, you know, outages, other external, um, external factors in effect where, um, you need to, you know, test them out in effect without, you know, well, doing it automatically potentially some of that or semi-automatically at least rather than manually going in and changing firewall rules or changing configuration manually and then i guess potentially leaving some of that left on unintentionally sort of thing
0: yeah well we 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 adopt you know um, as much automation as possible right you know now for deploying infrastructure deploying code you know um, DevOps um, continuous integration practices are, are really there and what chaos engineering is attempting to do is to apply you know this um, fault testing um, in the same types of manner with you know with a an overarching solution and technology to, to to help you automate those processes
1: okay so so how is chaos studio designed to help support you know chaos engineering
0: Okay, so, um, so, so so you've got Chaos Engineering as its own sort of um, subsection of, um, you know, quality assurance and testing. And, and there's many different, like, processes and, um, you know, architecture and, and planning and design that you need to do there, you know, because you really need to think about your application, how it's, you know, um, bespokely designed and, you know, architected. So you, you really need to think about, you know, Um, what it is you're trying to test and what are your, um, you know, hypotheses around areas that you think may or may not be fault tolerant. Maybe you've got particular, um, maybe you've got particular um, uh, business processes or flows in your applications that you, that are highly critical. Um, Maybe some areas have higher criticality than others. Um, it's those types of decisions where you're going to try to prioritize which areas that you attempt to um, t- to validate um, first. Um, and, and what's what's really great about um, Chaos Studio is that they're really um, they've really built a um, a process and a solution around the the major stages of getting from like sort of idea to actual test. So, so what you what you really do is you you effectively build um, experiments inside of chaos studio and that um, th- that effectively describes the the test cases that you're going to go through. Um, so what what it really is is that you have um, steps inside of a, an experiment because an experiment might not just be one singular thing. you might not just be testing. You know, um, oh, I can't access my database anymore, as a very simple example. Um, your test cases might be, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to lose access to both um, the, the database and our key vaults at the same time. Or, you know, we're going to ch- try and turn each one of those off in a different order you know, to see how long it takes things to fail over and, and X, Y, and Z. Um and then you effectively have, inside a step, um, steps run um, sort of chronologically um, and sequentially. So you've got step one, step two, um, step three. And then inside of there, you have branches, which are effectively, um, you know, they've they run at the same time. They're concurrent. So you can do two things at once, um, basically. And then what you do is in each, well, it, let's say in a really simple example, you've got one step with one branch. Um, you then... in you describe a fault that is gonna happen there. So as an example, a fault might be um, a CPU pressure fault where you effectively say, um, okay, I want you to pin the um, the CPU on this machine at 99% for um, 10 minutes, as an example. And then what you would do is then you'd have like a filter which um, describes which um, like virtual machines that would apply to. Because it might be that you actually want to apply that to multiple virtual machines at the same time. Maybe you've got a scale set, for instance, and you want to apply it to to all those virtual machines in that scale set. Because what you might be trying to do there is you might be trying to trigger um, an auto scaling event, right? You might, you know, you, you might have a scale set where you say, you know, once I've got um, high CPU load for five minutes, um, I'm going to add another instance to the, you know, um, to the set. And what that would mean is is that are in theory, well, in this, ve- well, I say very simple example, in this example that I'm giving you, y- you know, you might expect after five minutes to for your application to come back because you might say, okay, well, it's gonna take five minutes for that, f- you know, that extra um, instance to be added. Um, and you can actually log the amount of time it takes for your application to become um, a- available um, again. So there's sort of two types of um, I've talked about faults that you can apply down in those branches, but you can also do time delays as well in, inside of those branches. So you can say, like, you know, I want to pin the CPU. I want to wait five minutes. Then I want to do something X, Y and Z. And probably what is probably um, worth talking about the faults um, that I've sort of started to describe is that you can actually be destructive with those faults. So, for instance, one of the faults that you can um, that you can actually um, use is, um, and there's a huge fault library, and I'll talk about some of the um, the coolest, well, the ones I think are the coolest anyway. Um, but for example, you can um, you can get a there's a fault where you can kill a service on a machine. You can just stop that service. You know, to actually um, you know um, replicate a service dying on that machine. Now, you know, it let's say let's let's say that service that you're g- girl gonna try ki- to, to, to kill on that box is your web server as an example. Or maybe it's your cache, you know, your in-memory cache or something like that. In theory, you could potentially lose anything that's in memory at that time flowing through that, you know, that service, right? So there are elements of even potential. Not even temporary destruction, you know, like what happens if we kill the web server? Does it start again automatically after, you know, a few moments? You know, maybe you have to put something in place on the box to make sure that would actually happen. Um, But you do have to be a little bit careful because you could potentially take that a bit too far. You know, because if you are running this on a potentially a production system with live customer data coming through there, you you could have potential issues. Other things are like to um, add latency to specific calls, you know, to look at your user experience and how that um, how that operates. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of web applications um, that utilize um, uh, user metric insights to uh, flag, you know, so what they'll use is things like JavaScript libraries to detect uh, the latency between the browser and the web server, you know, to look, actually look at the response times. And they'll trigger alerts even from effectively end-user data. So, you know, if you injected five seconds of latency overnight, you know, the teams arriving in the morning, would they have alerts in their dashboards to actually show that, you know, that, that latency and that bad user experience? Those are the type, you know, there's loads of other, you know, billions of different combinations of things you can you can test. But really what you're trying to do is you're trying to preserve that user experience. And by, you know, putting these faults into your system, you can actually see that um, happening. It's probably worth mentioning as well. A lot of these faults can reverse their impact. Well, they do reverse their impact automatically. So, you know, if you're applying 99% CPU load after 10 minutes, it will stop that stress test and it will go back to, to, to normal at that point.
1: Wow. Okay. So that, that sounds very, um, that's a lot there. So it gives you the ability to sort of, you know, build test plans in effect to, um, you know, do some of that, uh, potential disrupt disruption within your, your application. Um, and some of it can be disruptive if it's things like, you know, taking down a service that memory, but like you said, you can then test whether the service comes back or how, Bad the services after that that outage, um, as well as I guess if you've built in any <clears throat> any automation around making sure services are up, maybe with Azure Monitor or something for alerts, things like that, you can see if that has triggered and you're know, self remediated where it can. So and without you going onto the box and doing that yeah, yourself, because
0: yeah, because you might have like a somebody that's on duty, right? and they get the, um, um, you know, um, that they get an alert. Maybe they get an SMS alert, you know, when, you know, the service is down, you know, has when was the last time we actually tested if that worked? You know, let's say your service has never gone down since the time you, you put it live, right? Those are the types of things that you actually want to test um, potentially in the real world.
1: Yeah, so you're also talking about um, testing process as well there then to see if they actually yes. get alerts and whether the, people get you know woken up on call and things like that to to test it sort of thing yeah you might
0: want to not might not want to test that one specifically (laughs) too many times but but yes 100% because you know that might form part of your service level agreement with your customers you know they true you you may have a you may have a you know um you know a response time clause you know from a user report um and you know you know those types of um, automated metrics you know from analytics um really do really can get you ahead of those customer support queries effectively giving you extra time potentially on your SLA because you, you might not have been notified about it you know you may even resolve something ahead of time without a customer even knowing about it you know so that's why making sure these systems are in place and actually testing that they are actually fully functional is really important?
1: Okay, cool. So, so how how do you set up the testing? You know, is it quite quite easy?
0: Yeah. So you you effectively um, uh, set up these um, um, experiments and um, these tasks and uh, these faults. Um, you can describe them as JSON, um, so they can be exported, imported. Um, I believe there's also a REST API for managing. Um, all of that as well. Um, I haven't checked for Terraform, um, but it is just part of um, ARM REST API. So I'm guessing you could just, you know, AZ API anyway. Um, It's probably worth talking about what is supported in Chaos Studio. So um, Redis cache is supported. Um, Domain names are supported. Um, virtual machines and virtual machine scale sets are supported there is a windows and i believe a linux um, i haven't tested the linux agent uh, but there's and there's good support for um uh, popular operating systems on both you know windows and linux um and so, so and that's what really gets you that on um you know on instance actual you know um you know, uh, messing around with services, uh, stress testing, things like that. Um, what else is there? There is um, Kubernetes clusters. Um, so there's a uh, service chaos chaos mesh um, that, that's supported. Um, there's Cosmos DB database accounts that are supported. Um, auto scale settings. Um, you can actually um, change as well. So you can sort of add faults in around, you know, um, disabling um, uh, scaling and things like that. Um, key vaults are supported. Network security groups are uh, supported, and also app services, as well, um, are supported. Um, just probably talking about some of my sort of most favourite um, um, sort of um, faults that you can you can add in. Um, so I talked about CPU pressure, uh, f- physical and virtual memory pressure. You can also put into the to, into a virtual machine as well. Um, disk I.O. pressure on both Windows and Linux is supported. Um, you can do a stress ng, actual stress test on the box as well. Um, stopping services, changing the time and date on a box, um, which could be kind of uh, nasty. Uh, DNS failures, so that's where it hooks into um, Azure DNS to effectively mimic um, a bad DNS um late network latency um, disconnecting network connections um, as well introducing packet loss um, to, to a network connection um, you can also um, hook into azure resource manager to do uh, machine shutdowns as well um there's a fault tolerance for uh, cosmos db failover um so effectively forcing cosmos db to fail over to another uh, region, maybe potentially in a read-only region to see how your application would be affected by moving over to a read-only region. There's a bunch of different tests for um, Kubernetes service. That's not really a area that I play in, but there is a bunch of different um, networking and pod faults, stress faults, time and HTTP and things like that. Um, rebooting Azure cache, uh, Redis cache um, is is in there. Um, setting um, specific security group, uh, network security group rules um, on the fly is a a fault that you can do. So like deny, deny maybe and things like that. Um, Key Vault, there's a bunch. um, Deny access, um, disable specific certificates. um, And then you can stop app services as well. There's also a fault for disabling auto-scaling as well. There's a bunch of different things that you can, um, I say, I'll, I'll call play around slash mess around with um in an automated um uh, fashion uh yeah sorry alan you were gonna say something
1: i was gonna say was that just a few was it because that, that, that's that's quite that's quite a few there and they all sound quite disruptive to a surface. yeah Definitely.
0: well i i basically went for the full list in the end because <laughs> every time i read through it i just get more excited about all the um <laughs> different things i could potentially do to um a system um uh, you know uh, yeah it's it's quite and and what's interesting is is that you can it's not just one thing that you can do you can also um branch these together build them into plans and and run through like multiple of these things um sort of over and over you know you're there's 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 a lot that you could i could just think of this completely horrible test plan that you could basically <laughs> run um, on your system to see um <laughs> to see what it does Um, And just to probably talk about how you actually do it, um, you sort of onboard specific resources as targets. um, And I believe what that does is it sort of um, adds a uh, like a sub resource to that resource to say that it's like um, um, available for chaos. So you sort of opt in each of your resources um, for chaos and then you can effectively target them um, in your in your experiments once you've sort of onboarded each one. Um, I believe that so it can like deploy the agents and um, uh, make sure that like not everything is just opted in for chaos, you know, from sort of day dot, basically.
1: Yeah. So you have to have permission to the resource to add it into the into a chaos yeah. studio kind of thing. Yeah. So you can't just have, you, you know, start adding other um, teams, apps or services into it
0: yeah it, it, exactly. and it's it's probably worth um, talking about is that you know in its, in its most default sort of setup, um, what you're talking to needs to be able to talk back to um, the chaos service. Um, so you need, you do need to think about networking and how um, this could hook into those resources. Um, and j- probably just to call out as well, this is only Azure only resources um, at this moment in time um it's um all the same tenant um but you can um sort of span across multiple subscriptions in your tenant um so it's not like you have to have um chaos experiments segregated by subscription um you could potentially have a chaos subscription and sort of connect to everything from from there
1: Okay, cool.
0: Would that be one of your spokes, Alan? Could you imagine having a conversation about adding a chaos spoke? Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I can see that. I don't know if that'd be anytime soon for me, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so what, kind of on the same sort of wavelength, of path of talking, um, what environments would you use chaos testing in? You You kind of talked about potentially, you know, maybe testing on production and and some other ones, but, you know, what is, you know, what environment would you use?
0: Yeah, so I think it's probably worth talking about sort of shift right and shift left, you know, thinking here, right? Because if if, if you approach it from a shift left sort of starting point, which is probably where I'd say a lot of people would start from, and that is really going to your development environments. Right. So you're you're staging your pre-prod, whatever you call your you know, pre-release environment. You know, um, some people have um, mirrors of their production environments with sanitized data in them, you know, that very well mimic um, what's going on in their production environments. You know, other people might just have one development environment and a production environment. Um so it it makes sense to start at least testing and looking at the like the sort of the efficacy of chaos um engineering for your organization um in those development and test environments um and 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 i suppose that's probably the right time to call out that you know this is a discipline you know it's something that you're going to have to embrace and to to invest time in and things like that right you know it's it's to me, it's it's an element of risk reduction and quality of life improvement, for sure. Uh, but you do have to balance that with the amount of time it takes to set up these environments and these tests. Now, I think Chaos Studio does a really good job of that because it's highly integrated with these Azure services. And if your apps do utilize the services that I described in some of those faults make sense to you. Um, but it also might be that, you know, you don't use different thing. You know, you, you you might have things that are outside of the you know, feature set at the moment. So you have to think about that, but it is helping you to effectively connect to these resources without you having to do it manually or to build your own sort of hooks and and test runners. If you then think about a more of a, a shift right responsibility in testing, that's potentially actually running chaos experiments in production. Now that does sound scary like you know it's it's somebody that you know um has potentially has ultimate responsibility of making sure that the customer's experience is maintained um you know doing a um a key vault block you know monday morning at 10 o'clock might not be the great best idea in your b2b app right because that doesn't sound like a good idea um but you know there you know there are there is a deployment that has to happen between staging and production, you know, staging and production environments are usually, usually highly segregated. And some of them are, you know, some of them are set up by hand completely separately. And, um, you know, sort of, at you know, um, attestation of those environments, you know, verifying, you know, that they are functioning correctly um, is is also really paramount to the running of the service. So it may be that what you do is you you know schedule some you know um some, a maintenance period you know and you communicate that to your customers and you say you know on you know Sunday morning at three o'clock in the morning oh, I don't want to be the person that has to wake up and do those tests <laughs> right but um that you're going to run a, a set of you know chaos experiments you know to actually ensure that it's fault tolerant you know and then when you know somebody cuts through the cable. You know, at a data center, I know it's not that simplistic anymore, but somebody cuts through the cable at the data center and, you know, um, an availability zone goes down that you you know that, you know, potentially your app is going to to, to fail over in those, in those scenarios, which in turn is going to make sure that you don't get those support calls at, you know, 6am on a Sunday morning, right? Because nobody wants people that are unhappy and... Um, it's a potential risk to the business.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it definitely sounds interesting to, you know, test it on production. Like you said, you can't, you won't be able to do it in the, well, potentially in the daytime, not without, you know, informing customers, things like that to prove out that, like you said, the, 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 um, that the environment has been configured as expected and that, you know, any of the, the, um, failovers, et cetera, are all in place. So it does make sense. Um, but like you said, most people probably start with the the left side where they've got maybe they've got a staging environment, which is identical or close. It's close to infrastructure wise and app wise um, and testing there to probably be a bit more destruct, uh, disruptive or bring more chaos um, to that environment um, to stress, you know, in effect stress test it in other ways before maybe doing a lighter weight version, maybe on production where you don't take yeah completely it might be or, or it is the same i guess you prove out on the staging first and then maybe prove out on your production yeah.
0: yeah definitely yeah like like you would with any like system that you would you new you know piece of software new code new processes you would you would always go through those different stages towards the right you know and and testing as you go and validating right so um so yeah and it, it and some organizations may do a hard stop of you know um we do manual checking of production to make sure it's you know correctly configured um, any automated tooling stops it staging or pre-prod environments and that's at least going to be better than not doing anything at all um as a as a first step for sure so um so, so yeah so f- for me i just I think it's somebody that's um, built highly available systems and actually validating that they, that they work. You know, I have I've worked on projects where there's been events that have launched at specific times and um, leading up to that, you know, if you're, if you're inviting tens of thousands of people to, um, to, to an online event, um, the organizers of that event will spend a lot of time and money to validate that when that event happens, there's absolutely minimal technical risk um, as possible. Because, you know, in touch with this doesn't happen, but you can sort of, you know, bet your left arm that on that day, there'll be an outage somewhere or something Something weird will happen on that day. You know, you'll have prepped for it. You'll have scaled your instances and you'd have thought about every single thing five times. Um, and then something completely outside of your control and that's not really like i don't really want to say that in like a scaremongering way like that always happens um but it's sort of when you least expect it so that's why highly durable systems highly available systems are uh, really important in those scenarios
1: yep and they need to be like you said they need to be tested um okay so so how do you how do you chaos test your know, private resources and networks
0: OK, so um, for, for sort of the most sort of uh, basic resources that would be inside of a, a virtual network, um, you, you do need to set up um, the, the ability for those resources to communicate with the Chaos um, Studio service. Now, there are a couple of caveats. So you need to think about that, but especially if you've got um, private internal applications maybe you've got applications that aren't um i say public facing well yeah completely public facing like completely um isolated apps in in virtual networks um, but then also what you generally tend to have is is some sort of layered like network security approach where you know your your end resources even to a publicly available service are completely private right you know you'd have your routing set up that can only go one way and things like that so you do need to think about that because you might need to adjust um, uh, some, of the, some of that networking to make this, make this a possibility. And it could be time-limited changes, you know, whilst you're experimenting and then revert back to your other state. I mean, then other people could say that you're modifying your, you know, your systems. But anyway, you need to get, you need some network access um, into it. Um, but there is also um, virtual network injection for Azure Kubernetes Service and Azure Key Vault. Um, that are running within virtual networks so it, so in theory you can use virtual network injection to get um, t- t- to allow um, chaos studio access to those um, virtual network environments um, i haven't actually uh, tested that um, but um, but effectively it will help you to bridge in and inject into those environments um, sort of in real time
1: okay cool that sounds um, good. So yeah, it's like with other resources within Azure, you, know, you need to be able to talk to the service itself to be able to do that. Here's a random question: we We're talking about that it's you know it's Azure only, but does it work with Azure Arc? I, <laughs> uh, I,
0: I, I haven't I haven't tested that, and I haven't seen that on my travels. Is okay. what I'm going to say um, for Azure Arc, um, but in in theory, I don't see why that wouldn't work.
1: Yeah, I guess it's just their deployment mechanism at Via Arc that might not be in in place. I know it's kind of the same thing, but there's a different. It's a slightly different agent or different me- mechanism than on native Azure, isn't it? So
0: yeah, yeah, and uh, I suppose it's probably the right time to call out as well. Um, you know, we'd we'd usually talk pricing and availability towards the end, but. Um, a, chaos studio is currently in preview and no official pricing okay. as of today um so it, it could well be it, it's 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 one of those services that's not that new it's okay. been in preview for, <laughs> for for quite a long time Uh, no criticism at all, but that just, that just sometimes happens um, in in Azure. Um, But yeah, we don't have any official word on pricing SKUs and um, all all they've effectively said is that it will be some sort of consumption uh, based billing. Um, But we don't have like, we don't have an SLA at the moment. Uh, We don't have pricing. um, And uh, my assumption is, is the development of the products will, will be rapid and iterated on. Right. So um, that's probably just worth calling out um, at this time.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it's in previous. So there's potential for it to to maybe work in the future if that's a requirement, I guess. Um, okay. So so how does Chaos Studio sort of integrate with Azure?
0: Um, so yeah. So it's it's probably worth um, uh, describing um, automating experiments um, at this point. And what you can do is you can effectively use a logic app um, to automate experiments. And what you do is in that logic app, you'd set up like a timer trigger for that logic app. So let's say you wanted to add some chaos every day. I mean, that might be a bit scary, but you can automate these tests. Um, What you can do is you can run um, uh, a resource manager action um, against um, the reference of the actual um, test plan itself, or the, the experiment itself, and then get it to trigger um, automatically. So, the the experiments are resources themselves um, that have their own actions that can effectively be triggered. Um, so, so so really, um, it's it's completely baked into the underlying architecture of Azure. Right, um, there is a. Um, REST API, you can access it from, you know, the, the, the ARM API. So it's, it's highly integrated and built in just as another, um, resource. So it it feels a lot more connected than maybe other things. If, if, if that makes sense, if that's probably the right way of describing it, because we sometimes see where there's, um, other solutions that are in Azure that maybe don't have the great, really, um, What's the best way of describing it? Really well connected, like you know, a bolt into Azure, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Sometimes have, it's hard. They to have their own.
1: Yeah, some services have their own APIs, don't they? That sit yeah. on top of it, where you're saying this is, you know, in the, you know, in effect, the you know, Azure resource manager native. You can call, you know, start triggering things like that.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's basically really highly um, integrated, which is which is a real bonus for sure.
1: Okay, cool. So is there anything <clears throat> anything else that we've you've missed or you want to bring up around Chaos Studio?
0: Um I don't I don't think so. Um I think that's um pretty much it. Um I've been um sort of testing it, playing around with it. Um I I've I've verified that you can uh not that we really needed to verify that their documentation was correct, but I've, I've verified that you can um, stop service, you know, you can install the uh, the agent on virtual machines. You can get it to stop services. Um, and then I, I did some um, sort of a testing around um, key vaults as well to see how, because um, key vaults is an area where there's no real high availability built in is that there's no failover with key vaults. Right. So, um, so a lot of, um, high availability sort of process and logic around key vaults is kind of baked into the business processes, you know, in sort of certain apps, yeah. you know, um, attempting to connect to a key vault, maybe retrying a few times. And then if you can't get it, go going to another place. And then you've got to think about how you synchronize your key vaults and eh, all of those different things. So um, those two areas were really, um, you know, important to me because a lot of the time when you have sort of virtual machines on infrastructure as a service, a lot of the actual services and a load of those machines can be the actual um, issue. Like I've had loads of virtual machines that have gone to 100% for no reason and things like that. You know, it's just not so much nowadays because I don't really tend to deploy in those environments. But um, I've, I've seen it quite a lot, especially with things like burstable instances. So uh, it, it's, it's those types of tests that you really want to try to automate. And I'm inherently lazy. Um, so you know i love to automate things so when i can do that i'm just not sure if you were to go through like a customer's change process about talking about chaos engineering how (laughs) that would potentially go down but um that's probably uh when i feel a little bit braver that's what we'll have to start having the conversation about controlled chaos
1: it's controlled hits. well i think
0: i think as well it, because of chaos studio is currently in preview it's like a double whammy at the moment right the name's scary enough as it is you then label <laughs> on a public preview and it's it's maybe a bit too much at, at the moment but really like a really great tool it's got some really t- to me applicable real world use cases and those are the types of systems that i really get excited about
1: cool okay so i think i talked about the azure load testing that we did last season i think it was i think it was episode 17 of season three and i think that kind of definitely ties you know ties in with this because talking about you know load on your yeah. application itself so it's definitely yeah, worth it's, checking it's, that out
0: it, that's all around you know quality assurance uat uh, testing and high availability so yeah uh yeah check that episode out because um there's some again really good tooling for load testing in azure so, Alan, um, cool. next episode, um, that's that's one for you. So what are you going to cover?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to cover, because I don't think we've done it yet, actually, is um, talk about Microsoft Defender for Cloud Apps, uh, Microsoft's CASB and software as a service uh, uh, security posture management.
0: I cannot believe we haven't done Defender for Cloud Apps <laughs> yet. Yeah.
1: <right>? I... <laughs> Yeah, definitely Such a big not in part the news today, to right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's um I don't think I've seen it after to double check again, but I don't I think I've seen it since we, you know, re re- you know, not re-engineered, but um brought the the podcast back to life in our new format. Yeah. So definitely one to go through and talk about, you know, all its benefit, all its um its benefits and things like that.
0: Yeah, no, that would be a great episode.
1: Cool. Okay, so did you enjoy this episode? If so, please do consider leaving us a review on Apple or Spotify. This really helps us reach more people like you. Um, if you have any specific feedback or suggestions, we have a link to it in our show notes to get in contact with us.
0: If you've made it this far, uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.
1: Yeah, Thanks all.